The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. This episode is sponsored by Unity.org. Discover the transformative power of inner voice, a tarot deck of affirmations. Explore your true self, seek guidance, and find empowerment through ancient wisdom and modern insight. To learn more, visit go.unity.org forward slash tarot. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I'm the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister, and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. Today we are, we will be covering rather lesson ten of the book Prosperity by Charles Fillmore. I have asked everyone who is following this series to purchase the book or find a free version online of the book Prosperity by Charles Fillmore. I'm requesting that you read the book and you read ahead of the chapters that I'll be covering. So when we actually cover it in, uh, during this show, you'll have an opportunity to ask questions, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the book um, starts, uh, this chapter starts on page 145, and it's a very interesting uh, chapter because this chapter really kind of covers the ethics of prosperity teaching. When many people teach prosperity they don't get into the nuts and bolts he talks a lot about the law of giving and receiving but he also talks about the ethics he talks about how do you function and do things in love he talks about how do you deal with helping someone without necessarily um, having thoughts that you're contributing to their uh, poverty consciousness etc that's my term not his or my phrase not his but I think it's really important for us to realize that this chapter really balances out many of the things that Fillmore uh, covers in the previous chapters. And he also obviously deals with the attitude that we have in our giving or with our giving. So let's go right to it because this is a very, very powerful chapter. And it starts off by dealing with the practical aspects of Jesus's teachings as they relate to the economy of your, you know, city, state, county, you know, country, the world. He says, there is a law of giving and receiving, and it requires careful study if we would use it in our prosperity demonstrations. It is a law of mind action, and it can be learned and applied the same as any other law. The teaching of Jesus stand out prominently because it can be practically applied to the affairs of everyday life. It is not alone a religion in the sense that word is usually taken, but is a rule of thinking, doing, living, and being. It is not only ethical, but practical, and men have never yet sounded the depths of the simple but all-inclusive words of Jesus. So I want to go back here for a moment. He says it is not alone a religion in the sense that the word is usually taken, but a rule of thinking, doing, living, and being. And I just want to reverse those words somewhat. It is 
but a rule of being because who you are you know in a sense of beingness is the spiritual being but the activity that you actually or your consciousness is your state or your awareness of being and your awareness of being will express in your doing and your living so you know as scripture says um and you know Proverbs 23, 7 in the King James Version, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. As we formulate consciousness, as we think and feel and believe, those thoughts, those feelings, those beliefs express in our lives as our actions, our doing, and our living. So it's important for us to be in a state of being, not just in a state of doing because sometimes you can do a thing without an awareness of why you do it. It's just you've been conditioned to do it. So we want to be consciously aware of what we do and how we do it. But get the point of Fillmore. I'm just playing with words here. He's saying that if you study the teachings of Jesus, you should be able to practically apply what Jesus taught to every area of your life because it's the teachings of Jesus are based on spiritual principles and spiritual principles can be applied to anything. Then he says it is not only ethical, but practical. Now ethics in the sense of we use the word ethical. Sometimes, um, you know, that word trips people up because ethics change the ethics of even 20 years ago, you know, some things that were allowed on TV when I was growing up, couldn't actually play you know i was joking with some friends and you know i said you know could shows like you know all in the family and the jeffersons exist today with you know some of the you know racial tones and stereotypes and etc uh just because of the controversy around those things some shows that <clears throat> you know that would be considered insensitive today wouldn't get the opportunity to be a long running sitcom or show. But anyway, so ethics change. But I think what he means by this is the way we treat human beings in general. In other words, out of a sense of honesty, integrity, fairness, how we function matters. Now, I'm, I want to focus on the practical and help you realize that it doesn't make a difference what it is you can apply a spiritual principle to anything you're dealing with so Mr. Fillmore goes on to say that on page 146 we have not been more successful in making this doctrine of Jesus a practical standard for everyday guidance because we have not understood the law on which it is based Jesus would have not put forth a doctrine that was not true and not based on unchanging law. And we can be sure that this doctrine of giving and receiving is powerful enough to support all affairs of civilization. We have not gone deeply enough into the teaching, but have thought we understood it from merely surface study. So, so his standpoint is this. If we take the doctrine and we practically apply it, it will help guide us through what we call everyday living, whether that's finances, whether that's family, whether that's intimate relationships, etc. They say, well, what does Jesus' teachings have to do with those things? Well, he tells you to put God first. Jesus talks about how you work with your own mind, how you work with your own words, his parables often talked about how do you shift your thinking from regular human thinking to spiritual thinking. He used the term the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like. He used stories like the prodigal son talking about the love of God and how we awaken to that love. So over and over again, if we realize that Jesus was actually helping us not only to become aware of our spirituality, but to practically apply our spirituality into our everyday living, then when we 
realize that when we focus on that, we can then take those principles, we can pick that Bible up, pull those words off of the page, and start to think about how can we utilize his teachings in our everyday lives. Moving on. All right. So he goes on to say in on page 146 that he says, Paul and Jesus also warned us to judge not according to appearances. We should form no conclusions until we have gone thoroughly into causes and the underlying laws. The things we see outwardly are the effects that have arisen from causes that are invisible to us. There is an inner and an outer to everything, both the mental and the material conditions pervade the universe. Man slides at will up and down the whole gamut of cause and effect. The whole race slides into an effect almost unconsciously and so identifies the senses with the effect that the causes are lost in the sight of for thousands of years. So in other words, we go we get so used to the the running on the treadmill of life that we don't stop to actually look and see what are the causes that have been put in place that that have me that has me acting like this. Because some of the causes that have been put in place are just the conditioned thinking out uh, of the conditioned thinking that you inherited by just showing up here with a human body, with a human personality. Yes, you are a spiritual being living in a spiritual universe governed by spiritual law. But please realize that you have entered into a way human beings think. And since you've walked into a way that human beings think, you've also walked into a way in which human beings act. Now, we have the ability to evolve that. But there are certain beliefs that human beings believe across the board. So, we have to take the time to stop and start asking ourselves the hard questions. Why do I believe that? Is that true? Why should I accept that? Can this thought be evolved? Does it need to be evolved? Does it need to be discarded? Does it serve my highest good? Because to have beliefs that don't serve your highest good, that don't benefit you, you know, doesn't necessarily make good sense. Because even if you have a, a, a thought that says don't do something that's harmful to you, that benefits you. So even when you recognize something as being, quote unquote, dangerous, for instance, that thought benefits you. But we have thoughts that don't benefit us by having inner conversations with ourselves about prosperity, about giving, about what is possible for us that don't benefit us, that don't help us, that don't that, that have nothing to do with vision, that have nothing to do with purpose, that have nothing to do with having a plan in life, that have nothing to do with the healing of your body, that has nothing to do with you loving yourself or having good self-esteem, has nothing to do with you supporting others and being a resource and, and a and a platform to help other people transform their experiences. We have to recognize that we have to search out the causes. Why do I believe that? Why do I believe that? You hear people say things all the time that often are not true. Many times we speak in absolutes. You know, you know, you, if you watch enough uh, shows, you'll hear about, you know, all women are like this or all men are like that, you know, or, you know, you know, black people are like this. White people are like that. Asian people are like this. Hispanic people are like that. Caribbean people are like that, et cetera, et cetera. All these things are nonsense. There's no one thing that defines a whole race or a whole gender. But what we do is, once we have a couple of experiences that validate what we believe, we make blanket statements, and then we don't think about it again. And because we don't think about it again, we suffer the consequences consequences of limited consciousness. So, moving right along. He says on page 147, Men have taken the letter or appearance side of Jesus of the Jesus Christ doctrine and materialized it to fit their beliefs and customs. Now, this is so good. In other words, 
yeah, Jesus, this sounds great, but this doesn't necessarily fit into what I do. So I'm going to change it and make it work for me in the sense of I'm going to adulterate it. So I know Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, but that doesn't fit into my custom. I know Jesus said it's the thought before the deed, but I don't want to deal with that. I want to think about whatever I think about. And how did he teach? It was It's the thought before the deed. He said, you've heard it said before that if a, uh, you know, that thou shalt not commit adultery. But he said, but if, but he says, but whoever lusts after a woman in his heart has already committed adultery. What he's saying is it's the consciousness before the action. So Jesus is saying, stop it in your thought before your thought becomes a deed. So we have fit the teachings of Jesus into the beliefs and customs. Now there's a whole uh, this could be a whole year-long course about how people have taken the Jesus Christ doctrine and fitted into their beliefs and customs, but that's not the point of this show or the class. But just the study of that alone is amazing. Then he states, that is the reason why the Christ message has not purified co commerce, society, and government. Now, think about how the commerce, society, and government would function if people really practice forgiveness. If people really function in integrity, if you really, really believed that the person that you're dealing with is the image and likeness of God, a child of God, the image and likeness of God, God in expression, whatever term you like to use. What if you really practiced in commerce, society and government to love your God with all your heart, mind and soul, et cetera, et cetera? And love your neighbor as yourself. Think about what that would do to commerce, society, and government by itself. Because many governments will talk about how they they support the Jesus Christ teachings. But when you actually look at the application, we realize we have work to do. All right. So he goes on to say, there is need for reform in economics more than in any other department of everyday life. Money has been manipulated by greed until greed itself is sick and secretly asks for, and I, I just knew how to pronounce this word, and now I'm messing it up, panacea. I believe that's how you, he pronounced, you pronounce that word. But anyway, what he's simply saying is this. We have made a God out of money. Now, I'm all, I'm pro-money, always will be. But you should be the master of money. Money shouldn't master you. Money is a means of exchange. Really, what we want is what the money can be exchanged for. Well-being, the home, the, the the transportation, clothes, food, water, the ability to take care of your family, the the ability to help others, the, the ability to support things you believe in, the ability to enjoy entertainment. But what ends up happening is people become greedy and they lose their ethics when it comes to money. So what Fillmore is basically saying is we need reform in our economics and many times governments deal with this and what we end up trying to do is we 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 when we start talking about introducing reform to the economics of any financial system you see pushback the reason why we have pushback is because of greed now people can say many other things but when it's all said and done a person who's not functioning in spiritual consciousness is just greedy and will do whatever it takes to win. And that's what it's not about. Now, we're going to take a, a, a quick break, but let me remind you that this show, along with all the other shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donation. So please click the donate button, support Unity, so we can continue this uh, show and other shows like this to you. Also, a reminder that you can watch uh, Christ Universal Temple live online at www.cutemple.org. That's www.cutemple.org. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms.
If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you'll give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the love offerings of listeners to continue operating and expand its outreach. Please visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you. Affirm the good that flows within you and stretch to reach your divine potential with daily inspirational messages from Daily Word. My affirmation of faith is, I release and I let go. I release my desire to control people or situations. I let go of fear, worry, and doubt. I trust in divine power, which is infinitely capable of establishing right outcomes. I align myself with this power through prayer and meditation. Opening my mind and heart to the wisdom of the universe, I recall the promise, I am with you always to the end of the age. With this assurance, I find the strength to let go of anything holding me back. Letting go and letting God is a choice. It empowers me to move forward with ease and confidence. It provides me peace of mind and the assurance of divine order. As I let go and let God, I open the door to infinite possibilities. Daily Word magazine is now available in a digital format. A one-year subscription to Daily Word Digital Magazine with audio is only $9.95. That's less than three cents a day to start your day right, centered and connected to the truth within you. To learn how you can subscribe to this online interactive magazine, go to www.dailyword.com. What is the secret to happiness? Why do bad things happen to good people? What is our purpose in life? What must I do to bring healing into my life? Join Rev. Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday for a metaphysical romp. Explore fundamental unity principles put into action through real-life scenarios from people like you. Call in with your questions and spiritual challenges, and let Paul take you on a journey of profound personal understanding and transformation. That's Metaphysical Romp with Reverend Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. Again, we're studying the book Prosperity by Charles Fillmore. We're on Lesson 10, which is right giving the key to abundant receiving. And we're talking about Mr. Fillmore's concept on giving, the ethics of money and prosperity, and how to apply the Jesus Christ teachings practically to our everyday lives. Now, he goes on to say on page 148, and I think this is very powerful. He says, among the destructive thoughts that men indulge in and exercise are those forms of selfishness, which we know as avarice, covetousness, money getting, and the desire for financial gain and for possessing the things of the world. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Financial gain and possessing things, there's nothing wrong with that from that standpoint in and of itself, but how we do it and how we go about it. He's talking about from the standpoint of greed. Now, these thoughts threaten seriously to disturb the civilization of the world and the stability of the whole race. He's talking about the human race. He says the sole thought of money getting is being allowed by men and women to generate its cold vapor into their souls until it shuts out all the sunlight of love and even of life. So in other words, the getting of it in itself becomes the means and people will say, well, the end justifies the means. Well, not necessarily because we're here to be complete spiritual beings. And part of that is to have health to have peace, to have love, to have joy, to have entertainment, to have you know good, happy, and harmonious relationships, to have the prosperity to not only 
benefit yourself, your family, but also, again, to support others. So it's important that we don't make it the thing where the only thing that matters is, okay, I got to get paid. And we stop thinking about everything else because a person can get or attain the goal and then destroy their family or lie and cheat and steal and end up in jail or or even if they're not in jail, they're looking over their backs because they've gotten what they wanted in a deceptive or criminal way. So it's important to realize that we have to make sure that we're coming from the right space when we do things. Therefore, it's important for us to realize that the consciousness of love and joy and peace, this Christ consciousness has to be the, our starting point. It doesn't, it's not something that we, that we apply to after we get what we want. It's the method through which we get what we desire. We have to trust the universal law that will supply the manna from heaven if needed. All right. Now, on page 150, he states, we are striving to educate the people on this question of giving and receiving and let their own experience prove to them that there is a divine law of equilibrium in financial matters that correspond to the law of balance and poise that holds the sons and the planets in place. So he's saying, try it out for yourself. If you think that it works, give it a shot. If you don't think that it works, give it a shot and prove it for yourself one way or another. Because he says, if you practice the law, you'll see that the same divine energy that we call God, this is the same divine order that keeps the planets and the suns in place can also balance your financial life. That's something to think about. He says, in order to make a success of this great effort, we must have the loving cooperation of everyone to whom we minister. The law is based. Now, this is the key. The law is based on love and justice. And, is, and it is important for us to recognize that, that the law is based on love and justice. So, Am I coming from a standpoint of love? And do I want what is right for all people, not just for myself? Again, love God, then love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, I don't want to get mine by getting over. That's important. I don't want to get mine by getting over. He goes on to say that it harmoniously adjusts all the affairs of men. So when we apply love and justice to what we're doing, we're basically saying that we're engaging the consciousness of God into the situation because Scripture says God is love. So when we are functioning from love, we're functioning from a God consciousness. He says love and justice are mighty powers and all things must eventually come under their influence because even a few men and women of right motive can by right thinking and consequent just action – introduce these ideas into the race consciousness and pave the way for their universal adoption. So if you take a stand in consciousness, then in action about how you will live your life at a subconscious level, you affect the whole human race because you are giving birth into the race consciousness, which is, Basically, all of humanity's past thinking is the collective human consciousness that we're all in tune with at one level or another. So somebody has to put into motion the consciousness of, of love and justice. Let me give you an example. You know, we're seeing all over the world right now um, countries that are taking a stand even against their own governments for freedom. And this has been going on for a while, but it's coming out more and more. And the thing about it is sometimes when you actually read material on what's actually going on in these nations, they're quoting people like Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. Why? 
because people like Gandhi and people like Dr. King introduce the ideas or reintroduce the ideas of Jesus and the non-resistant, uh, non-resistant um, position of wanting to basically transform society through the application of Jesus's teachings. They actually introduced it into the consciousness of humanity so strongly in the 20th century that it that these two people are considered standard bearers for it now. So, so a person might be in a jail cell in South Africa like a Nelson Mandela was, but but he was reading or being influenced by the civil rights movement in the United States. Where people now in, in the Middle East are being affected by the same consciousness. And it's not going to stop because it's in the race now. The concept of you're above me, you're better than me, or the caste systems and and uh, these cultural bugaboos that says that one person is better than another person because of their social class, because of their name, because of their race, because of their skin color, because of their gender, because of sexual orientation, or any of those things are slowly being moved away because people are introducing these thoughts in to the race consciousness and more people are saying yes that is consistent with the spirit of love so it's being applied over and over again you can be the space that makes the difference you can be the space because there are people right now that are, that are continually continuing to promote the concept of greed of violence of, of uh, deceit to get ahead. We who are students of the Jesus Christ teachings have to not only think it, but then apply it to our lives and be examples of its effectiveness. Then go out and show others because that's what Jesus' disciples did. When they received an understanding of the truth, they went out and they told people about it and they lived it. And they healed and people were prospered and people's lives were transformed and people were people's lives were, were given meaning and purpose because once they realized who they were as spiritual beings, it transformed everything about them. So we have a responsibility as true students. Jesus says, don't let your light, don't hide your light under a bushel basket, but let it shine. Let it shine. Stop hiding your light. Be okay being the light in your space. As uh, the unity minister Gary Simmons once wrote in the eye of the storm, you're either the way of the Christ or you're in the way of the Christ. All right, moving on. The book goes on to say the race consciousness is formed of thought currents and dominant and the dominant beliefs of all people. A few men and women rise above these currents of thought and become independent thinkers. So we, if we want to, become independent thinkers we have to think beyond what the human race thinking is telling us he goes on to say the dominating race idea of money getting as the goal of success is now being replaced by the idea of usefulness and good works in other words if i'm prosperous who can i help you know obviously i want to enjoy my own prosperity as much as anybody but I also want to be a space that helps. You know, I read somewhere that the average millionaire, you know, um, or excuse me, multimillionaire at least at least employs, you know, or creates employees is not the proper term. That the average millionaire um, employs directly or indirectly 15 people. Because once you have prosperity, you can then what? Be a space that creates businesses, that creates non-for-profits or supports your local church or or um, whatever it is that you believe in. That goes on the you know vacations of your dreams. People have to work those vacations. People have to fly those planes. People have to drive those cabs. People have to prepare those trains. People have to build boats, cru cruises, uh, ships, and et cetera. 
So as you develop your prosperity consciousness, you actually are creating opportunities for other people. Usefulness and good works. In other words, as you become more prosperous and you are actually coming from the space of love and harmony, then you'll be the space for other people to transform. Bill Gates is one of the biggest entrepreneurs in the world. So is Warren Buffett. So was Steve Jobs. So is Oprah Winfrey. And they all practice big giving. Big giving. See, we want to, you know, say, well, I want all my ducks lined up. But they all practice big giving. If you actually look through a list of some of the people that people ridicule on TV and entertainment, you'll be surprised how much they give. What we have to do is have to make sure that <laughs> our practices in everyday life, which govern us, are consistent with the principles of love and justice. That we don't make rules that apply for one person but don't apply to, to others. Again, this is applying the Jesus Christ teachings into everyday life. Now, this does nothing to do with your consciousness. If you're, you have a consciousness of lack and a person has a consciousness of prosperity, they should prosper. If you're willing to pick yourself up and then they're unwilling to pick themselves up, then, it's a, then, it, then it, it makes perfectly good sense why you have a greater demonstration of prosperity. I'm talking about justice, and so is he. Now, moving on. He goes on to say on page 151, never for a moment allow yourself to entertain any scheme for getting the better of your fellows in any trade or bargain. Hold steadily to the law of equity and justice that is working in and through you, knowing for a certainty that you are supplied with everything necessary to fulfill all your requirements. Give full value for everything you get. Demand the same for everything you give, but do not try to enforce that demand by human methods. Now, this is so powerful. Never for a moment allow yourself to entertain any scheme for getting the better of your fellows in any trade or bargain. In other words, the moment you have the feeling I got over, you're actually digging a hole that you have to fall in. Because you're creating a consciousness that is based upon deceit and it will come back to you. Because you're creating a consciousness that's not built on truth, it's built on lies. You, you feel as though you're getting over on somebody. It's, it's the difference between finding a deal and knowing that you're getting over on somebody. He goes on to say, give full value for everything you get. In other words... Step out of, I said this uh, I said this on my last sermon, get out of the bootleg mentality. Get full value for everything you get. You know, we're so busy trying to get over on folks sometimes, and I'm not saying everybody, I'm using generalities, that we don't pay for what we get. You know, be willing to pay for what you desire. It says demand the same for everything you give. So always give full value. Always give it because you're developing a first-class consciousness. So if you're developing a first-class consciousness, you want to make sure that you give first-class because you only want to receive first-class. All right. He moves on. Now, he talks about some things about, uh, you know, you know, laying up for the future and et cetera. Now, you have to realize that Mr. Fillmore so trusted truth that he really believed in daily bread. And if you believe that, great. I don't think there's anything wrong, though, with, you know, creating prosperity for the future. I think it's wise. I think his point is when we do anything out of fear, that which we fear most will come upon us, as the book of Job says. So, you know, he says, you know, don't save for a rainy day. Well, you can save for an opportunity you can save for for the ability to distribute and and help others again but the thought that you won't be supplied one day therefore you have to hoard is the consciousness that he's trying to get people away from 
because the consciousness of hoarding the conscious is is based upon fear i won't have enough so i got to keep as much as i can so uh when i'm not being prospered i won't run out or i won't run out as soon that's based upon fear so he's trying to tell people you don't have to think that way trust god whether you're uh you know 8 or 800 trust god and work the principles and apply them to your lives. All right, we're going to take our last break. Again, I want to remind you that this show, along with all the other shows, are supported by your donation. So please click on the donate button. Also remember that you can go on Facebook and like my Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Please go on, like it, and share it with your friends so we can help spread this new thought message around the world. Uh, we're taking our last break. We'll be right back with Truth Transforms. I'm Dr. Tom Shepard, host of Let's Talk About It on Unity Online Radio. In my studies of world religions, I've repeatedly encountered two central spiritual questions. How do we make sense of life, and how do we live it more successfully? You're invited to explore these two questions with me in my new book, The Many Faces of Prayer, How the Human Family Meets Its Spiritual Needs. You'll be amazed at the remarkable ways people have learned to pray to their gods and to celebrate life individually and as communities of faith. Learn more at unitybooks.org. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a hundred years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio, words from our past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. been listening to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. We're teaching prosperity by Charles Fillmore, and we're on lesson 10. And we're on page 150. Two. Now, Mr. Fillmore says on page 152, practice giving, even though it may be in a small way. Given a spirit of love and give when you cannot see any possibility of return. Put real substance into your gift by giving the substance of the heart with the token of money or whatever it is. Through the power of your word, you can bless and spiritually multiply everything that you give. See yourself as the steward of God handling out his inexhaustible supplies. In this manner, you are setting into action mental and spiritual forces that eventually bring large results into visibility. Be happy in your giving. God loves a cheerful giver because his mind and his heart are open to the flow of the pure substance of being that balances all things. So, even when you don't think you have something to give, find something to give. And if you don't have a dime in your pocket, if, you, if all that means is you go outside and, you know, you know, and say, for instance, you're sweeping out in front of your house, 
you know, push brooming some leaves or whatever, then do the neighbors or cut their grass or or do something or go to the library and figure something out where you know you can legitimately work with the law of giving and receiving, even if it's in a small way. Again, you, we're stewards of the goodness of God, of the substance of God, of the supply of God. Therefore, if you are in the consciousness of giving, even in a small way, but you're coming from love, you will multiply that which you love. It goes on to say, do not give with any idea that you are bestowing charity. The idea of charity has infested the race consciousness for thousands of years and is responsible for the great army of human dependence. Do all you can to annul this mental error. There is no such thing as charity as properly understood. Now, people will read that and say, oh, my God, what is he trying to say? Don't give the people. No, absolutely not. He's trying to shift your thinking. Listen to what he says. Everything belongs to God and all his children are equally entitled to it. The fact that one has a surplus and gives some of it to another does not make the one a benefactor and the other a dependent. The one with the surplus is simply a steward of God and is merely discharging the work of his stewardship. So just because you're in a position to be able to give and another person receives, that's just the law. But when you make it where I'm, I'm, giving this person a hand out instead of a, a hand up, you actually shift your consciousness. Reverend Coleman used to tell us at Christ Universal Temple when she was active that we should never give to another person's poverty. We give to another person's prosperity. So in other words, if they come to us with a need, we're giving from the standpoint of we're supporting this person's prosperity. Now, the outer action is the same. A person asks you for $100 or $1,000, you give them $1,000. But the, if you're thinking that you're giving this to a person who is in lack or in debt or don't ha doesn't have money, then that's a shift in your consciousness of abundance. Instead of realizing I'm a steward of God and I'm giving this person a hand up, I'm not giving to their lack. I'm giving them a hand up, not a hand out. See, because sometimes when we give people handouts, we think sometimes subconsciously that we're better at, in some way or another. It gives us a position of superiority when you can give or withhold from someone. So we have to work on our own consciousness. All right. I'm moving on because this, this book chapter has so much in it that I can't cover it all. Page 155. Everyone should give as he receives. In fact, it is only through giving that he can receive. Until the heart is quickened at the center and the mind is opened up to truth, there is no permanent healing. Everyone can make a fair return for everything he gets. Let me repeat that. Everyone can make a fair return for everything he gets. Everyone can make a fair return for everything he gets. We have to start thinking in that way. Again, what are we doing? We're keeping the prosperity in circulation when we think like that. He says, we aim to show moneyless paupers that they can give something in return for the good that has been done them. It may be to pass the true word to some other needy one or merely lift up their voice in thanksgiving and praise where before they were dumb. And he don't mean dumb from mental. He means not knowing. We recognize the necessity of some action of the mammon bound mind. It must be made to let go somewhere before it can receive the light and the power of spirit. This is one of the things that sometimes church is ridiculed for. Well, why do you tell poor people to give? They don't have anything or very little in the first place. Well, because the simple thought that they don't have will keep them financially crippled. You have to realize you always have something to give. You always have something to give. You can support someone. You can love somebody. You can be the voice of reason in somebody's experience. Sometimes when a person just needs that space, of, you know, uh, you know, I can remember, you know, as a kid, you know, family members coming over and my grandmother feeding them or giving them foods and, and wrapping it up in paper plates and aluminum foil. 
You can be that space. You don't have to be a millionaire to be that space. But just the thought of you have something that you can give. And if and he says mammon bound mind, that mind that is stuck on materiality and appearances, if your mind is stuck on that, you don't think you have anything to give. So even the person that's on the street that might be having whatever their experience is, eventually they have to be taught to give. Not just get. We have to learn how to give, not just get. Give, then receive. Give, then receive. Give, then receive. We want to get, then then give. Get, then give. But no, the law is give, then receive. I mean, receive. Yeah, give, then receive. Give, then receive. So just play with it for a moment. When you see a beggar on the side of the street, what comes to your mind? You know, because we have to train ourselves. That doesn't mean that you have to give them your money. I'm not saying that at all. You know, unless you're inwardly guided to do so, you should do with your money what you want to do with it. You're free. But the thought that you have about that person matters because that thought is in your mind. So when you see the person that's on the street, do you behold the Christ in them or or send a prayer their way or say to yourself in some way, I know the truth about you, however that works out in your own language? What are you doing? Why? Because when you see lack, lack is in your consciousness. When you separate yourself from others and believe that there are some people who have and some people who don't you separate and and you create a duality in your consciousness instead of saying god is omnipresent supply and there's just as much a supply for the person that we consider the homeless begging person as it is for the person who's a billionaire the same god the same supply god is no respecter of persons we have to drill drill that in our own minds because when we come from a position of lack that those thoughts are going through our minds and working through universal law. That's why Mr. Fillmore says on 155, every man is a king ruling his own subjects. These subjects are the ideas existing in his minds, the subjects of his thoughts. Thought, thought, thought. So he goes on to say, on page 157, your consciousness is like a stream of water. If the stream is in any way dammed up, the water settles in all the low places and becomes stagnant. Uh, the quickest way to purify and reclaim the low swampy places in your consciousness is to let in the flood from above by opening the dam. Many people try to demonstrate God is their supply by repeating affirmations of abundant now present but fail to deny and thus let go of the old conditions and old beliefs and lack by beginning to give as generously as possible. It is not the amount you give measured by the standards of the world. It is the good will you send forth with the gift, which can be measured only by spiritual standards. So he's saying yet again, if your consciousness is damned up, in other words, new good isn't coming in, find somewhere to give. Find somewhere to give. Go volunteer. You know, you know, Give something on top of that tithe. Go support something you believe in. But you have to give. You have to give. You have to deny the old belief in lack. And one of the greatest ways you can deny the old belief in lack is even if it's something small, figure out something to give. You might have nothing in your house, but like in the Bible with a guy just... Asked the lady to make him a cake, and that's all she did. Somebody might want some cake or a good meal, and say, "You know what? I was I was thinking about you, and you know, just let you know I appreciate you. You know, here's a pie, here's a cake, here's a whatever." I was driving past the store, and I know you like X Y Z food. I picked it up on on the way, and I'm just dropping it off for you. Just a way of working with the consciousness. We have to figure out a way to give. Oh, I, I, I know you like these movies. I was at the mall and I saw this movie and I thought you would like it, so I just picked it up. What are you doing? Creating the flow 
of good. Be the space for your own consciousness of good. All right. Well, it's time for us to start wrapping up this show for the day. And remember, next week, make sure you study Laying Up Treasures, Lesson 11 in the book Prosperity. We only have two more chapters to go. So let's make sure we wrap this up nicely. I also want you to know that I will be teaching the book Discover the Power Within You after this series um, by Eric Butterworth. So I'm giving you full warning so you can get the book Discover the Power Within You by Eric Butterworth. Uh, This is the end of the show. Thank you all for your consciousness. God bless you. And I'll be back with I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. The base of all life is the infinite wellspring of source, and each of us has a unique way of expressing that source as an individualized soul. Do you enjoy the company of inspiring people who are living on purpose? Do you want to live joyfully attuned to your own unique soul expression? Host Rev. Kristen Powell welcomes you to join the gathering of souls who live this way. You'll meet artists, naturalists, and other soulful expressions that will inspire you to call forth the most alive, passionate version of yourself. Get into the natural stream of your own soul by tuning into Soul Stream live every Wednesday at noon Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment from Reverend Joan Catuso and Unity Magazine is brought to you by Unity. What is the secret to happiness? Why do bad things happen to good people? What is our purpose in life? What must I do to bring healing into my life? Join Rev. Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday for a metaphysical romp. Explore fundamental unity principles put into action through real-life scenarios from people like you. Call in with your questions and spiritual challenges and let Paul take you on a journey of profound personal understanding and transformation. That's Metaphysical Romp with Rev. Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. If you are able to safely turn your attention away from the demands of your activities, quiet your mind and affirm. There is a divine plan at work in my life. I now relax, let go, and let it unfold. Listen attentively, inwardly, without projecting any thoughts about what you think should happen or be experienced. Become as a child. Trusting and receptive to the guidance of spirit within. This meditative moment, adapted from Mary Cupferly's God Will See You Through, is brought to you by Unity.
I'm Laura Worcester, host of the Intuitive Life Podcast. As an intuitive medium and teacher working with the world of spirit, I love to share the peace that comes with the awareness that our departed loved ones are still with us. And I also love to help people explore what it means to live an intuitively led life. Start listening now on mindbodyspirit.fm or wherever you get your podcasts.